from Moss Media. This is Tell Me Something I Should Know with your host Pat Vera. Welcome back to another episode of Tell Me Something I Should Know, the show where I tell you about something I think you should know,、um, which you probably got it from the name already, right?、Um, how's everyone doing? I'm doing okay.、Um, Thailand just hit its third wave of COVID at the beginning of April, so I have been staying home, working from home, which is fine.、Um, I'm getting more and more productive as the time goes by,、um, and I think. The vaccine is coming, so I hope that the situation will get better soon, and I hope that you're doing better wherever you are. Anywho,、um, this is the second episode of "Tell Me Something I Should Know," and I'm very happy that you're back again. In the first season, we're talking about all things Korean related, right? And if you haven't checked out the first episode yet, where I recommended all the K dramas that I have watched recently, please check that out. And for today, we're gonna talk about the phenomena of Hallyu or the Korean wave. So. Let me tell you a little bit about what you can expect from this episode. I'm very excited to talk about this because when I got into all the K dramas and K pops things like that, which is actually still pretty recent,、um, I just dive deep into this whole rabbit hole of what and how and why. This whole thing came about, and without knowing what the Korean wave is and how it came about, I think、um, it's going to be kind of difficult for you to understand the success that it has given Korean thus far. Let me tell you a little bit about what you can expect from today's episode. I'm going to talk about how you rate、um, what it is, the timeline of this phenomenon, how it came about, the impact. Both to Korea and also other countries, and then also why I think Korea is so successful as doing this. Okay, so before I get into the episode, if you want to join in on the ride, listening to me tell you about something I think you should know, be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast or on your YouTube channel. Review and please, please, please give it five stars so you can see a big smile on my face or from my voice. No shame, but what I really mean is,、um, so other people can join in on the fun as we slowly build this community. So, what is the Korean wave? The Korean wave is the rise of the global popularity of the Korean culture. So, if you're familiar with any of these terms or topics, BTS, Blackpink, Crash Landing on You, the Bookie, the Seven Steps skincare routine, you have already been hit by the Korean wave. The Korean wave is the way that Korea spreads its soft power globally in the past two decades or so. Soft power is the power of attraction through the cultural appeal. And Korea is doing that by sharing its culture through music, TV shows, food, skincare routine, lifestyle, things like that, right? And most importantly, it portrays this unique、um, way of living that 
appeals to not only the local within Korea, but also the people within Asia and now um, in the Western world. And once Korea is deemed as cool, Korea is able to use this desirable image to leverage and gain power. It sounds pretty calculated, right? And you're exactly right. It definitely is not accidental. So now let's get into the timeline. I would break this down into two different periods. Um, one is between 1999 to 2007, and the other one is from 2007 until now. How did it all begin? Did the Korean government is just ahead of everyone else? Why did no one else do it but Korea? Actually, Hallyu began out of necessity. So in 1997, as you remember, or you might not remember because you're just very young, um, I, don't, I don't actually remember either. But in 1997, there was this IMF crisis that actually started in Thailand, the Tom Yam Kung crisis, right? And long story short, Korea got hit um, quite badly along with other Asian countries as well. And it was in a lot of debt and needed to find a way out. And so there was just like, you know, many different things that, that Korea could have done to get itself out of debt. But Korea has no natural resources and very little arable farmland so it could not compete there the dramatic rise of the labor costs in the last 20 years also prevented it from relying solely on manufacturing as the main source of income it also had a political handicap that prevented it from benefiting from the tech improvements um, apparently in 1953 there was a mutual defense treaty between south korea and the u.s that stated that Korea cannot make any major military decisions without the U.S. support. And since a lot of the tech improvement usually comes from the government investing heavily in the tech for military or defense purposes, that means Korea back then also was not able to compete with other big tech companies to actually gain revenue from this side, right? So what did that leave Korea? What was left? The government actually decided to spend the money to invest in the creative industry as a means to drive economic growth and pull itself out of debt. It seems quite an easy decision, right? And also maybe the only option left. It doesn't require a lot of massive infrastructure. All it takes is talent and time, which Korea could build. And it did. And I really don't think that Korea could have imagined the massive success that would be coming out of this investment. Hallyu has been a blessing for Korea, its businesses, culture, and the country image. And according to one of the articles that I read, in 2004, the Hallyu effect contributed 0.2% of its GDP. And the country's GDP in 2004 was roughly one trillion or a thousand billions so that means how you contributed around two billion dollars and and in 2019 the gdp of korea was at 1.7 trillion so almost double in the past 15 years right 
how you had an estimated 12 billion dollars boost on the Korean economy. So that's roughly 0.7 percent, six times in 15 years. Wow. And I'm actually not sure if the stats included just things that are from the creative industry or it also included like food and tourism, things like that, which I believe it probably was. It's, it's a lot of money. But the point is, this investment in the creative industry, the how you affect actually really catapulted Korea from being a developing country to what it is today. It's quite amazing. I, I'm still like so amazed. And so that was the first phase of Hallyu, right? And the rise of social media and the internet actually boosted this effect globally. And that, like I said before, started around like 2006-2007. You probably remember Gangnam Style, right? video that came out in 2012 um, it was the most viewed and liked youtube video at the time obama even cited it as an example of how the world got swept by the korean wave you know i don't think korea ever thought that out of all the bands that it had invested money and time in that sai this chubby korean man with goofy dance moves is going to be the one that actually put Korea on the map, on the global map. But I guess whatever works, right? And now both the bands BTS and Blackpink have songs that are top of the international charts. In 2020, Parasite won many Academy Awards. And just this year, in 2021, Minari main um, supporting actress just won another academy award as well korea has broken the glass ceiling for the korean people as well as asians everywhere i would have to say that korea has done well for itself in the past 50 to 60 years for sure if you look at the stats on the country's gdp right in 1965 listen to this Korea's GDP per capita was less than that of Ghana. In 1965, Korea's GDP per capita was around $100 versus around $265 for Ghana. And today, well, in 2019, Korea's GDP per capita was around $32,000 and Ghana was at $2,200. So basically, in the past 60 years, Korea grew 320 times. 320 times. So to put it into perspective, Japan's GDP per capita in 2019 is $40,000 and the U.S. is around $65,000. Yeah, just think about that for a second. It's pretty amazing. But you know, when I first looked into all of this, right, the first question that I had was that, why Korea? You know, why can't it be other countries like Japan or China or Taiwan or even Thailand to spread the soft power? And for one thing, 
it requires a huge amount of investment from the government. And I guess I already talked about like the reason why Korea started to invest in the creative industry. But I also think that other countries could have done it too, you know, once it saw this trend, right? Especially like China and Japan. So it got me thinking about what makes a good exporter because Korea is so good at exporting its culture. So when I think about China, labor cost is cheap, so it has the cost advantage there as its competitive advantage for it to export a lot of goods. It got me thinking about like what are the unique qualities or things that make Korea have a competitive advantage over other countries in spreading this culture. Let's start with Korea's geopolitical position. So Korea, unlike China and Japan, has never been an imperial power. So let's think about this. When Korea is spreading its soft power, it's kind of like, you know, these surrounding countries or even like the US is listening to this like cool trend from a younger brother. You know, it's kind of like, oh, big bro, um, check this out. This is really cool. I made this. And so other countries kind of receive it with an open arm. Unlike you know, it's not like an order from your dad or anything like that. That actually gave Korea a competitive advantage that it probably never expected. And aside from this non-threatening nature, I think the two main characteristics that make Korea really good at spreading its culture, one is curiosity and the other one is adaptability. Korea has churned out so many towns over time and these towns are not made only for the local tastes, right? It is good for exporting because Korea has done such a great job at standardizing its culture and delivers this culture as a package that fits specific needs of each country. The Korean Culture Trade Commission published a book called Hallyu Forever and apparently it's only available in Korean. Basically, it is a guide on how to approach the world. This book explains the socio-economic, political, and cultural that make the country a good market for Hallyu. And it also s includes suggestions of what aspects of the Korean culture would do well in respective regions. So basically the government came out with this book that tells you the different aspects of each country that would make it a good market for Hallyu such that the country can create a product that would fit specifically for those countries' needs. Wow. So this allows Korea to package um, its culture in a way that fits the specific needs of each country, making the whole a greater sum of its parts, right? For example, like K-pop is more than just its music. I mean, the music is good, but I really think that its music is nothing super groundbreaking and and people might like argue with me here but i really think that k-pop is actually a mashup of many genres actually in one song sometimes you can hear like you know like hip-hop and pop and 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 different different kinds of music within one song k-pop focuses a lot more on the experience you know it's a combination of great dancing catchy music relatable lyrics, really attractive and aspiring member of the bands. And yeah, I think these are the combinations that really make K-pop go viral. It is entertaining, sexy, 
but yet safe. Aspirational, but yet still within reach. Foreign, but still familiar. So this is a formula that Korea has created and has successfully executed. But then why cannot other countries do it? So let's talk about why I think, for example, Japan wasn't able to do this. And I think the main point specifically for Japan is that it doesn't want to and it doesn't feel the need to. For one, Japan is too isolated from the rest of the world. If you have visited Japan before, it's actually quite difficult to go around the country without knowing English. I think it has been a bit easier in the, fa in the past 5 to 10 years, but Japan has this mentality that other people should be learning its language instead of the other way around. You know, another thing is when you go to Japan, the majority of the people still carry cash. So just think about that for a second, right? I think Japan is a country that is really slow in adopting other people's culture. There are a few reasons why Japan is not investing in the international markets as much as Korea. One is because overseas marketing costs is very expensive. And Japan has around 120 million people. And I think that is a big enough market for Japan to not have to take the risks of spending a lot of money on international markets. Unlike Korea that only has around 50 million people, it cannot solely rely on its local market, right? So it, that this actually forces it to go outside. And another thing that I kind of mentioned before is that Japan is not as adaptable in general. If you look at a lot of the J-pop, right, Japanese bands, the members there are exclusively Japanese. On the other hand, there is always an integration of this Korean and non-Korean members in most of the K-pop bands, you know? Actually, many of the very popular bands have non-Korean members. Blackpink has Lisa, who is actually is Thai. Um, GOT7 has Jackson Wang, who I believe is Chinese. And, you know, back in the day, 2PM, a very popular band in 2006-2007 has a member, Nish Kun, who is also Thai. And, you know, I kind of mentioned these, right? Like these Thai members, because just the fact that they're Thai makes me feel more connected to these two bands. It has this mixed feeling of familiar and foreign and like someone who's like so popular but you still feel like they're reachable because there's also like Thai like you. And I think in the recent years, K-pops have also expanded to include members of the Western world, right? So to summarize, right? I think the reason that Korea is so successful at doing this is because it not only studies the market to really know what's good for which market, it also is like very good at adapting and just creating things that would really fit the taste of those people. So now we're at the end of the episode and I hope that this gives you a pretty good foundation of what the Korean wave is and gives you an appetite to find out more if you want to learn more. Thank you so much for making it this far and 
if you like what you just heard be sure to subscribe to tell me something i should know so you can learn more about all the things that i find interesting and exciting yeah please subscribe to the podcast watch the youtube videos and do all the things that you do to be a part of this community and for today thank you so much bye